morning has been a full Sunday already, and you might be wondering, uh, I've looked at the outline, and I'm wondering just how long is Mike going to speak today? Um, well, as we planned the service and we had all the different elements, I, I told uh, the various uh, staff uh, that this message would be somewhat like an accordion message. I can make it long or I can make it short, and uh, it will be more on the shorter side as far as what could, it could be, but I think we'll get the main ideas. As you think about the church, uh, this is the Lord's church, and we're not the only church in, in town or uh, in, the, in this world that wants to honor Christ, to be Christ-centered, and to see the scriptures as the, the source of authority in our lives. As you saw the video, it's, it's not a, a staff-driven church. It's a people-driven church by the power of Christ, and it was people doing ministry in so many different ways. But as you think about the church, the church described uh, in various ways. It's called a body. It's called a family. It's called a flock. And uh, at times it's also called a building. And as we think about the church and as I look back at some of the things uh, that God has done through Grace Hills people and as I look ahead to what God might want to do in the future, I'm always thinking about, you know, there's, there's much, so much more that could happen through the lives of people. And sometimes when I think about things that need to be done, I don't, I don't want them to be done tomorrow. I want them to be done yesterday. And can anybody relate to that as far as the things on your agenda? You, just, you want to see it happen now, uh, if not uh, already. I was reading a story about a person who made a move, and this is their, their experience. Uh, they had moved in uh, a number of years in the past, and they had built their dream house some years ago. And they had furnished it with quality pieces as they could afford them. Now the delivery truck carrying the last purchase that they'd always dreamed about, uh, a new bedroom suite was pulling in the driveway. Uh, And this is the response of the the wife in the home. Finally, I exclaimed, flinging open the door as the driver walked up to the house. I've been waiting 12 years for this. And the response back was, don't blame me, lady. He said, I just got the order this morning. (laughs) Some things that we've been anticipating, other people haven't even been thinking about it. They have been placed on our agenda. And as we think about life, God wants us to understand that that we are on God's plan. Uh, There are things that God has for us, and he wants us to participate in his grander plan. And this morning, what I want to do in our time together in, in God's word is just just to emphasize some things that aren't necessarily novel, but are right at the heart of what, what God has for us. And so if you have your outline this morning, we're going we're gonna to race through a, through a few things. Hopefully I won't speak so rapidly that you're wondering what I'm saying. But, but I do want to emphasize some things for us as we are the people of God. As we think about what's the difference between a vision and a dream and hopefully at times you're a dreamer. Uh, the difference often between a vision and a dream is, is a dream is, is something that you're hoping will happen and a vision is something that will happen. Uh, as you think about uh, a dream actually coming to pass, it, it takes action. It, it's putting feet to the things you're, you're thinking about. Uh, or as I put in the, the message title this morning, it, it's putting a vision into practice. As we live out what God has for us. And as you think about that, God not only wants us to be uh, the ones who, who do it, but he wants us to have the heart for it. And as we think about this morning, I want to kind of combine both of these. I want us to have the heart for us being the church that God wants us to be. And then I want us to develop the habits by which that will happen. 
so this morning, let, let's just look at a few things. As we look at what really matters, what really matters. First thing I'd like to share with you is that, that you matter to God. And, and also, so does your oikos. Now, at, at Grace Hills Church, we've, we've tried to make the, that phrase oikos part of our language, part of our DNA, part of what we understand it's all about. It's not supposed to be some, some term that only a few people understand. It's the Greek word for which you get the idea of household or extended family and friends. And God wants us to understand that we matter, but also the people in our relational world matter. And so God has a plan for you, and he has a plan for the people that you know. Those people, those five to ten people in your relational world that you know better than anybody else in this church that you are the one that God has called to reach out to, pray for, and, and try to make an impact on their lives. But it all begins with understanding that, that you matter to God. From the very beginning, as, as God brought you into uh, this place, this planet to live, God wanted you to be a part of his family. And, and when you were brought to faith, and if you're on the outside in this morning, that then you still have that great opportunity to be part of God's family. But once you cross that line of faith, I, I want you to understand there, there, was, a, there was even a, a, a greater celebration than, than we've had this morning because of what you did. In, in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, it says this, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. And if you're... A, familiar with that section in Luke chapter 15, what happens there is, is Jesus is speaking to, to a lot of religious people, but as he speaks to them, he said, I want to make sure I get your attention. That's what he said. But as he speaks to them, he, he, uh, he understands that they don't get it. And what Jesus is most concerned about is it's reaching out to the people who know they need him. For you can't help someone who, who doesn't think they need no help. You can't uh, give the solution to their physical need unless they understand they're sick. And you can't find someone who doesn't think they're lost. And so when Jesus leaves the flock of sheep pictured in that story, and leaves the 99 to capture the one that's lost. It's for the purpose of us understanding that, that we, each one, matter to God. It's been a, kind of a story repeated to me over and over again since I've had experience of being lost. That, that the, the greatest experience of once you're lost is being what? Is being found. And it really speaks that you matter to someone when they're excited that you get back. And so I want you to understand that the church is about helping people understand that they matter to God. But if, if we matter to God, how about, how about those who are still lost, that haven't been found, that are still on the outside looking in, that, that uh, something's wrong and they need to desperately know that there's a solution. When, when you came on, on campus this, uh, this Sunday, did you, did you know something was missing? <laughs> trees, right? There were some trees missing. And, and probably when you, when you came other times, you probably didn't even think about the trees, but when they're gone, 
you, you know something's missing. And you need to understand that, that when you're gone, when you're not a part of what God's trying to do at Grace Hills Church, though you're, you, you see this as your home, that you're thinking no one's missing you, but you are being missed because there's a part of the, the puzzle that's not there. there. There's a hand that is needed to, to reach out and help, and that hand's not there because for whatever reason, they say, well, you know, I, I really don't matter that much. My life's not that important. Your life matters to God. And your ministry matters to God. There's that personal ministry of, of reaching to those five to ten people in your world that, that you know that God wants you to pray for, to reach out to. And then, then there's a variety of ministries that, that still could use another helping hand. Some feet to walk where it needs to be walked to. To reach out to people that need to be touched. In your outline this morning, we, we have the right passage, but the, the wrong per, a verse. And, and we, we put verses in your outline to help you kind of get there quick, but sometimes we leave them out because we want you to use your Bibles. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 18. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18, it's a, it's a great story that I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it's a story of, of Jesus reaching out to someone who was lost and changing his life. And if, if you met Jesus, you'd, you'd always want to be wherever Jesus is. And you like to be in that place where you're, you're just being encouraged and supported and, and things are, are, are just going exactly like you want them to go. But, but God is not calling us into his family just to, to be comfortable. He wants us to see that, that he's calling us to mission. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, we have these words. And, and when he, Jesus, got into the boat, he was taken off after changing this person's life. The, the one who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. Now, there are a lot of things I've begged for that weren't worth begging for, all right? But there was something I wanted at the moment. I thought this was the, the source of my happiness. And there are other things where I've begged for the right things. And usually when I beg for the right things, then, then God comes through. And you would have thought begging to be with Jesus would be something Jesus would say yes to. But that's not what he said. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And then Jesus departed. Verse 20. As we think about putting the vision into practice, it begins with each one of us realizing that we matter to God and the people that we know matter to God. And God wants us to get out of our comfort zone to maybe simply walk across the room or across the street or the person in the other cubicle or the person at the other desk, the person we shoot baskets with or the person that we go to eat a meal with and, and simply tell them about Jesus. But it's always been tough to do that at times, isn't it? Because what will they think of us? And will they, they now no longer want to spend time with us or whatever it might be? Putting the vision into practice is, is something that has to be done every day, every week, every month, every year. It begins with us understanding that we matter to God and the people that we know matter to God and that we matter. Each one matters. I was reading this past week about the power of one. Do you know in 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of all of England? 
You know, in 1776, one vote made English the official language of the United States instead of German. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. Later, California, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho were, were admitted to Union, and the purchase of Alaska was ratified all by a single vote. Can we go back and not allow Idaho still to be in America? No, no, no. I have family actually lives in Idaho. Okay. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from being impeached. In 1876, one vote gave Rutherford B. Hayes the U.S. presidency. In 1923, this is, this is a sobering thought, one vote gave Adolf Hitler control of the Nazi party. The power of one. You matter to God. Your witness for God matters to him. Your involvement in ministry and the life of the church matters to God. The tree, as you came into the worship center, was noticeable because it was absent. And for those who are wondering, we are going to replace it. (laughs) You matter to God, and so does your oikos. Secondly, your worship matters to God. And it should matter to you. The scripture is is filled with our call to acknowledge the worthiness of God. Psalm 29, 2 says this. Given to the Lord the glory. What's the next word there? Do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I, I am not a uh, connoisseur of very many things, really. <laughs> But I'm particularly not a connoisseur of great art. I've had opportunity to go to some of the places where some of the classic artists have their originals displayed. And often I will look at them and I'm thinking, really? But see, that's more a statement about me than it is the portrait that was painted. And when we don't worship God with enthusiasm and with a heart, not not only on Sunday, but throughout the week, when somehow we get so preoccupied on things that that don't really matter and we we our attention is placed on on things that won't last our endeavors that that might be good, but not the best. And, And all that is part of life. But when somehow the priority gets changed. What's the statement? The statement is not on. How worthy God is for our worship. He is due our worship. It's a statement on ourselves. Our worship matters to God because he's worthy of our worship. But it should matter to us. Because when we're missing in worship, it, it impacts the glory due his name. In Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and, and the sheep of his hand. See, it's just who we are. We, we are to be people who understand that he is worthy to be praised. That he deserves the glory to his name. That, that we are the sheep and he is the shepherd. And how are we to do that? John four twenty four says this. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, 
the, the second word for spirit in here, uh, must worship him in spirit. That's the definition that God is everywhere. He's not confined as we are. But as we worship him, we, we worship him not just simply externally, but internally. We, we can look at like we're worshiping on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And, and then even if we are filled with, with enthusiasm, God says, well, it's, it's not only worshiping internally, but it's got to be worshiping in truth, the, the true God. There, there are so many people that, that worship in so many ways, but they're not worshiping the truth. And there's some amazing stories about that where we get preoccupied even in religious circles in ways that just amaze you. A few years ago, Maria Rubio of Lake Arthur, New Mexico, was assembling a burrito when she noticed that the skillet marks on one of her tortillas resembled the face of Jesus. Excited, she showed it to her husband and neighbors, and they all agreed that there was a face etched on the tortilla and that it truly bore a resemblance to the familiar, iconic Roman Catholic image of Jesus. Well, it became a shrine, and I'll make the story short, everybody came from everywhere to see Jesus in a tortilla. Within two years, more than 35,000 people visited the shrine. For 28 years, pilgrims, 28 years, pilgrims came, kept coming to see the holy tortilla. Over time... You know, the burn marks faded and the image was hard to make out, but people still wanted to worship the shrine. Then in 2005, Mrs. Rubio's granddaughter took the tortilla to school for show and tell. Someone accidentally dropped it and it shattered. Mrs. Rubio kept a shadow box now with only fragments of the shattered tortilla floating on the cotton clouds, but no one seemed interested anymore and they had to close the shrine. See, even we... (laughs) Get caught up on making God in our image. Rather recognize we are made in his image. We need to worship in spirit and truth. That's why the word of God is so crucial for worship. It's not just when we sing songs. It's when we interact with God's truth. Your worship matters to God and it should matter to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 uh, speaks that God doesn't want us to be caught up in that which is simply our own. I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, only acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, This is the New King James language. In in the New American Standard, as well as the NIV, it says this, present yourselves to God completely and wholly. Why? This is your spiritual service of worship. The NIV, it says, this is your spiritual act of worship, which really is saying this, and I'm going to stop here, I won't end, is that worship is not only an expression of praise, but it's an act of service. So that's why worship can be 24-7. It can be every day of the year. Because when when we do things for others, for the glory of God for the purpose of showing people God, whether it's pulling weeds or whether it's serving someone a meal or whether it's being kind and caring, that's an expression of worship because we're doing it for God and we're helping people. It, it's an it's a act of worship. So we, we want to be a people who understand that, that we matter to God and our, our relational world 
our oikos matter to God. We want to be a people who are committed to worship because worship is not only what we do corporately together, but individually throughout the week as we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And then finally this morning, and if you haven't caught it, this kind of mirrors the owl here. Your life group matters to God, and you should invest your life in people. Now, some of you, for a variety of reasons, have not connected to a life group, and it might be because your schedule doesn't work. But I encourage you to, to connect with the, the body of Christ beyond just a, a Sunday, but be involved in people's lives because people matter to God. And even as we heard from some of the praises that, that Brandon shared with us as far as talking about people in their life group that prayed with them and for them and, and walked through some of the the challenges of life. This is what the body of Christ is to be all about. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, it says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Which, again, cutting it short, it simply means this. If, if you come to that point, point in your life where you have placed your faith in Christ, it doesn't stop with that initial time when you put your faith in Christ. It's supposed to continue on. Hold fast to that. Don't let it go. And one of the ways that happens is by the passage going on in verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When we meet with each other, it's for the purpose of helping each other to be better than they would if we, weren't, if we were all alone. That, that as we see each other, we, we should just be an encouragement to love God more and to serve him more faithfully. And there's so many analogies to that in life where if you're with someone who is skilled in some area, you're around, then all of a sudden you start picking up some of their skills and some of their abilities because they're that model or example. And that should happen not only in the physical world, but the spiritual world as well. Verse 25, the challenge, not forsaking our own assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's easy to have other things get in the way. It is so easy to, to miss a Sunday or miss a life group or to miss an opportunity to, to spend time with people because other things just crowd in. We got 168 hours in the week, and how much of it do we invest with God's people or in lives of people where we're, we're giving out? Acts 2 basically says the same thing as people gather together regularly. John 13 speaks about that we ought to recognize that we will identify ourselves as Christians by our love life. How we care about people. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, it really speaks about if, if we are filled with the goodness of God, then we will want to invest in what God is doing. Not, not out of compulsion, but, but with eagerness because God has blessed us and we want to bless others being cheerful givers to, to God's program. So what's the point this morning? God wants us to be the church. Not simply to go to church, but to be the church. Be, be a part of what, what God has, is doing. To to use our gifts and abilities and talents and time and resources and ways that honor him. We're all different. We're not going to do it the same way. 
But as we see that we matter to God and the people in our relational world matter to God, then we always have a ministry. As we see that we have the privilege of worship because of what it does in our own lives and it makes us more like the sun. And as we see that it's, it's other people's lives that make a difference in our lives, and then we also have the opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives. That's, that's what the church is all about. The church can be involved in all kinds of things, but what the church uniquely does, it speaks to the importance of each life. It speaks to the value of worship. And it speaks about doing life together in a way that makes a difference in a world that's lost without the Savior. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are just filled with just the, the privilege of being called to a relationship with you. And Father, that came because you loved us more than anyone else can love us. And Father, you, you, you call all people who are weary and heavy laden, uh, who need rest, to come and connect with you. Father, whether it's the very first time for some here this morning or whether it's a, it's a renewal that, God, I, I want to put you first in my life. I, I want to be the kind of person you want me to be. I want to make a difference in my family's life, in my neighborhood in my community, in my world, because I'm giving myself completely and fully to you. As we close in worship and then later on as the church family meet to, to look at some things, might we just demonstrate our love for you by our faithfulness to you. And we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Stand.